Any time is awesome to celebrate baptisms, um, but I think Easter is especially incredible as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and uh, we go through the gloom of Good Friday, and then we know that Sunday's coming, and as they celebrate baptism, that outward, tangible expression of what God's done inside of them, it's just an awesome celebration of not only that Jesus went from death to life, but so have we if we put our faith in him that we become spiritually alive. We've been made right with God, and that's an awesome thing to celebrate every day, uh, but today especially so as we remember um, the power of this day and what that means to us. And so we're glad you're here to celebrate that with us. And uh, if it's your first time here, man, we're glad you're here. If you've been here a hundred times, we're glad you're here. Um, my prayer is that God would speak to our hearts and uh, that we'd leave here closer to him. We'd leave here more like him, that um, it wouldn't just be something that we think about here, but there would be an encounter with God that happens in our heart that changes us long after we've left this service. And so uh, today we're going to be in the book of Titus. Um, and I'm praying that God will speak to us through this text. It's going to be Titus chapter 3. You're going to have to go through all the Gospels in the New Testament, Acts, Romans, a lot of the letters that Paul wrote to the churches. You'll come to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and then you'll come to Titus. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this letter uh, to a man named Titus as Paul had gone to an island called Crete. And Crete was an island that was known for immorality in that day and time. Um, and Paul had established some churches on the island of Crete. And what he was writing to Titus about is how to um, set up the churches that he had established. So he's telling him to put pastors in place. He's telling them different things that should be taught to them, and he's warning them against false teachers. If you look at chapter 2, uh, that chapter is really about how we relate to each other, how we do good to each other, why we do good to each other. And then as we go into chapter 3, which is where we're going to be today, Paul is really talking about how do we do good to those around us, and how do they see the world? Work of Jesus in us? How do we show them this? And so let's read Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, and then we'll pray. We'll jump into the message. It says in Titus 3 Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified or made right with God by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, 
And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Well, let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, God, for what you do. And, and God, that you are alive. You're a living God. You're not a dead, mute idol that we put on a shelf, but you're the living God who calls us to a relationship, who makes a way for us to come into that relationship. And God, who gives us the opportunity to enjoy that for eternity. And I pray through the power of your spirit, the very spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead, that today, God, right now, you'd speak to our hearts. Reveal a little more of yourself, more of your grace, more of your power, more of your love to us. As we gather here, Lord, in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's kind of embarrassing to admit this today, but um, especially on Easter when you have so many guests. But I want to tell you all that, and this is probably not the best way to start a message, but you've been robbed. You've been robbed. So check your wallet. You see if you have your wallet. Check your, see if your pocketbook is still next to you because you've been robbed. Um, if you've ever experienced being robbed, I've, I've had that happen a couple of times. What it, it feels, it doesn't feel very good. Uh, you feel like something's been taken away from you that was rightfully yours. And when I think about the church, unfortunately, in many ways, the church has robbed people. Uh, the church, in many ways, and oftentimes with good intent, has robbed people of the purpose of why we do this. It's oftentimes been where we've missed the point. The church has pointed us to things and not just some other church, but even in this church, in all churches, we've pointed people to things that missed the point. And I feel like that that's one of the things that we need to ask ourselves this morning, especially on Easter, um, is really looking at our heart and saying, like, why am I here? Why did I come here today? Why did I make the effort to get stuck in traffic for 45 minutes thinking I was going to be early and you end up getting here in the second song, right? If you didn't give anybody the middle finger, then you did well. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so, but, but you think about it, and, and, and when we ask that question, I have to ask myself that question sometimes, is why do I do what I do? Why, why, I do, why is this important? What is this really about? And today, I really want us to challenge ourselves to look at our own story with God. And have we allowed our story with God, our understanding of God, our experience with God, who we are in God and in Christ, have we allowed that to be defined by what we've seen around us, maybe even in church, or have we allowed it to be defined by the truth of Scripture and a real experience with a real God? I think that's incredibly important, and here's why. It's because 
the point of the gospel, the point of the good news, the point of Jesus, the point of the crucifixion, the point of the resurrection is the fact that God is writing a story that is all about his glory. It's all about him. And if we don't have a story that somewhere Jesus intersects that story and changed it to where our lives became about living for the glory of God, then our story is missing something very important. When Paul wrote these verses and you read this text, he's basically telling us in the the verses three through seven, he's really telling us the story in a generality of every person who's ever come to faith in Christ. And so he starts out, and when Paul begins to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus and what he's done for us, um, he will usually go back to the time before Christ, before he met Christ, before we met Christ, and he includes himself in that place. And so if you look at verse three, it says this, it says, at one time, we too were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived, and enslaved. We lived in malice, envy, being being hated and hating one another. He's saying we did had, had intent to do evil. We were jealous of what other people had because we were empty and we thought that what they had or a characteristic or a trait about them gave them some kind of, of uh, full, fulfillment and fullness that I don't have. And so it gets to the point of even hating or being hated because we strive for all these things that we think are going to do for us what they'll never do and so for every person in this room whether you've come to faith in Christ or whether you haven't the truth for us today is that at least at one time we were all foolish disobedient deceived enslaved we lived in malice and envy and and our life was empty now today if you've come to faith in Christ There's a difference in that person and the one who hasn't. The difference is not that there's not struggles in your life. The difference is not that the Christian is made, is perfect. The difference is that in faith through Christ, I have been given the perfection of Jesus. And I no longer have to strive or strain to make that relationship right because it's been made right. My story is no longer I'm working to try to attain God's love. My story becomes this, that when I can never attain his love, when I could never make myself good enough for him, when I could never get it all together, and for most of us, even at my lowest moment, the love of God and the kindness of God came into my life and I realized that I'll never get to him but he came to me and I simply accepted what he's done for me and so it changes our way of thinking it changes our way of approaching God to a realization that the things I do for God the things I try to do to get to God are futile and useless. All I do is receive what God's done for me. And out of that relationship comes the things I do. 
but we typically get the things we do ahead of the relationship. And in doing that, the church has often pointed people to what to do instead of who to know that ends up leading us to what to do. And so we've missed the point. If we forget who and do the what, it equals religion. And religion equals BS, a broken system. Y'all thought I was going somewhere else. But that's what it is. It's a broken system. Religion, this repeatedly just doing what God wants us to do or what we think will make him happy, not because it's driven by a relationship with God, but because we've been told by the church that this is what we're supposed to do. It never leads us to life. It leads us to frustration. It leads us to a place where we begin to do something because we were told to do it. We begin to do it. It becomes a burden. Then after it becomes a burden, it leads us to burnout and after burnout we become bitter and then we go by I'm out of here because this isn't what I signed up for it's not what Jesus died for that look Jesus didn't die so the church could program your life Jesus didn't die so we could come up with enough things for you to do so that hopefully you won't screw up Jesus died so that you could have life. He rose so that the resurrection power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit that raised him from the grave could work in your heart as he's poured out generously by Jesus so that our hearts are filled with love and our hearts cry out, Abba, Father, which is a term of endearment for Daddy, And this relationship is established and grows strong. That's the point and that's the purpose. But we have to come first to this place of realizing that I too am or I too was foolish, disobedient. In other words, we're all sinful. Listen, I'm standing up here today and I'm a very flawed person. If you knew what my week was like this week, holy week, you probably would have gone somewhere else. I don't stand up here because I'm perfect. I stand up here because God has told me to tell people about the one who is perfect and the one who took your sin and the one who can still take your sin and the one who gives you life, the one who rose so that he could fill you with his power so that we might not be okay, but we don't have to stay that way. So we're all sinful. We have these issues. We're flawed. If you look at scripture and you go to Genesis chapter one and two, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis one and two, you see God's creation and it's perfect. But then sin happens in chapter three. You go all the way through to the last book, the book of Revelation. You get to the end of chapter 20 and you see where God once again in 21 and 22 establishes the perfection that he created in 
the beginning. And so this is what's awesome, guys, is that when you look at it from Genesis chapter 3 through all the pages of the Bible is a story of God getting to Revelation 21. And all of that is a story about how God is working, how he's worked in his plan of redemption and reconciliation and salvation for flawed humanity. Somehow we've made this book, we've made church, we've made Christianity about being perfect and perfecting ourselves when 99.66% of the Bible is God dealing with flawed people. 0.34% is the perfection. So if you're perfect, those four chapters are for you. But for everybody else, thank God he shows us his determination, his love, his patience for flawed people. It doesn't mean we just accept our sin, but it, it means we're no longer defined by it. And this is why, look, we come to a place where this is who we were. And listen to verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. And so there's this but God moment that happens in our story when we come to Christ. And so this is who I was. This is what I was like. But God intervened. I'm no longer defined by that. He's giving me perfection and right standing. And now I'm going to spend the rest of my life growing into who he's already made me. And so we see this but God moment. And for people who have faith in Christ, we've all had that moment. Just as though we've all sinned, we've all come to that place where our story also includes but God. Let me ask you this question. If it were not for God's grace, where would you be today? I know where I'd be. I'd be dead. I'd be dead. And here's the thing. Today, April 1st, is the 18th anniversary of my salvation, which is awesome for me, right? I don't know when the next time will be that my anniversary of salvation actually falls on Easter, so I figured I might as well celebrate that while I can. And on April 1st of 2000, I was at a retreat, and there was a guy who came up to preach He was a hog farmer turned African missionary. And his own comment about his preaching was that he could dangle you over hell on a rotten stick. In other words, he was a hellfire brimstone kind of guy. I was as lost as a ball in high weeds, right? He comes in. He starts this message, and some of you will be able to appreciate this. He, he starts this message by saying this, I've dipped this whole room full of Copenhagen. I've drank enough whiskey to float a boat. 
And it went downhill from there. And everything he said was everything I was and everything I had always been about. And the more he talked, the more angry I got. And to the point where I was like, I really want to go up there and hit this guy. And I, I was sitting there and honestly, I was sitting there and I was about to get up and walk out. And as the thought came, get up and leave, I heard something or impressed something in my head. It wasn't, I don't want you to think I hear voices. I don't hear voices, but there was something that God had impressed upon my mind. And I heard this in my mind and it was simply this. Why don't you shut up and listen to him? And I realized in that moment that as far as I had gotten from God, as much as I had mocked him, spit at him, laughed at him, laughed at those who, who, who followed him and loved him, as cynical as I was, as much as I had cursed him and, and, and blamed him, I, I realized in that moment that all I had to do was turn that I thought I had outrun God, but there's this but God moment that is grace and love and mercy and power will not let you outrun him. And you come to this place one day where you realize his kindness and love and the Savior appears into your heart and you realize if I'll just turn from my stupidity and turn to him, I can have life. The craziest thing is the moment I turned was the moment he was there. I didn't have to make myself right. I didn't have to beg my way back. I didn't have to punish myself for a long time until I felt like I was okay to come towards him. It was as if when I turned, he said, I've been waiting on you to do this for a long time. And that's the kindness and love of God, our Savior, and he appears in our life and he saves us, not because we make ourselves good, not because we make ourselves right, but because he is good, because he is righteous, because he is perfect. And when we put our faith in him, he gives us his righteousness. He took all our sin. He took all our junk. He took all our crap on the cross and he gave us his life. What? What an exchange to celebrate on Easter Sunday. And he saves us through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection. He gives us rebirth or new life that we're no longer in those dead sins and transgressions, but we've been brought to life so we can live a new life. He gives us his spirit for renewal and he begins to make us like himself. And we have this but God moment and he creates a story in our life that it's his story. It doesn't even stop with us, but it connects us to God so we can have a relationship, a right relationship with him, which then begins to make us whole and we begin to live in his love. And then we begin to be in a place where we can share that love with others. And I know, guys, listen, sometimes we hear love and we think Hallmark Channel. But that's not this love. 
This love is persevering. This love is determination. This love is when Jesus had a cross on his back and he couldn't take another step. He took another step for you because he knew he had a destination on that hill to die for you, to give his life for you so that you could have life. It's a fighting love. He fights for those who are flawed, who are sinful, and even in their sin. He loves us. I've made so many mistakes. I mess it up so much. But I've been thinking about where I was in that but God moment. I've been thinking about what happened 18 years ago. All that God's done for me, all that God's given me. And I know what I deserved. But in mercy, he didn't give me what I deserved. And through his grace, he gave me what I didn't deserve. I hope you have that but God's story. I hope that that is part of your story. It's part of mine. Today I want you to see a, a video of someone who this has become a part of theirs, someone who's on staff actually on our Dublin campus. And I want to share this with you if you'll look at the screens. As a child, I grew up in a normal household. Uh, it was me and my sister and my two parents. We grew up going to church. My dad was pretty much everything to me. He was my hero. He taught me how to play all the sports I knew how to play. Um, and I just thought the world of him. Things began to go south in our family. Um, and my dad made some decisions that really deeply affected our family. Um, and, and really hurt me because I looked up to him. And when I got to high school, I just started escaping. I grew up next door to Billy Shiver and his family, and I would just go over there and hang out with him, um, hang out with his sister. I can remember being at an FCA rally uh, with Billy, and we were both there, and I can remember um, just hearing the message, and I began to feel this feeling I had never felt before. And honestly, I didn't know what was happening. I, I, I felt like Jesus was changing my heart, and at the end, the pastor gave a salvation call, 
and next thing you know, my hand was up in the air and I received Jesus as my savior. You know, I, I had this group of friends that I worked with and all I really wanted was for them to come to church with me. I continued to just ask and ask and for a long time, I got no response. And then finally, one day, one of them finally caved in and she began to come to church with me. And we continued to go and we were really inseparable for a very long time. Uh, sooner and later, next thing I know, I have these emotions and feelings that I don't, I don't really know where they're coming from. Um, and she's experiencing the same thing. And flash forward and it's my first homosexual relationship. Neither one of us knew what we were doing. Um, I knew that something inside of me didn't let it settle right and, and something wasn't right about it. But I thought that the emotions and feelings inside of me were also right. And at that age, I didn't really know how to cope with that. I began to party, I began to drink, and I went off to college. At this point, I was going crazy. I was partying every single day of the week. Uh, Monday through Saturday, we were at the bar. And at Sunday, I'd try to make my way to church just to check that box. So everybody knew, except for my parents, I was pretty much living this double life at that point in time. Billy was at Georgia Southern still, and I can remember him inviting me to Connection Church uh, when it was that little blue building behind Burger King. And, um, I said, okay, I'll, I'll try it. And so I went and I can remember Brandon, just I've never heard anybody share the gospel like he did. And I never have seen somebody so passionate about Jesus like he was. And so um, slowly but surely I began to go constantly and I really quit partying for a while. And I, I told myself, you know what, I'm done with that homosexual lifestyle and, and I wanna follow Jesus. That lasted for a little while until Satan placed people in my path and I fell right back into sin. This is about the point where I just hit rock bottom. I just kind of started to believe that that lifestyle was who I was. Um, I, I thought that that was how I was born. I thought, I said all those things um, to really try to justify the lifestyle that I was living. And so I can remember one afternoon, my sister texted me and she said, Brittany, I just want to know the truth. Finally, I got to the place of, I just said, yes, this is who I am. This is, this is the life I'm choosing to live. And, and she said, Brittany, I love you no matter what. I knew in that moment something triggered in me. And when I got back home that day, I prayed and I got my Bible for the first time I'd picked it up in a long time. And I prayed and I said, God, if my lifestyle is wrong, please show me. I randomly opened it up to Romans 1, and I began to read that text, and I got about halfway through it. I closed my Bible. I didn't want to hear the truth, and I'd pray, God, I just want you to take this away from me. I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I am struggling in sin. Like, I do not want to be this person. I don't want to be gay. And 
Nothing ever changed. And it took me a long time to realize that I was praying the wrong prayer. I was asking God to change my actions rather than asking God to change the condition of my heart. I can remember Mr. Jeff and Ms. Tracy Shiver, Billy's parents, just saying, hey, Billy's playing a church in Vidalia. You should come check it out. And I thought to myself, I can't do that. People know what I've been doing. And then one evening, they were uh, meeting during evening services, and I decided, I said, Mom, let's go. Let's go check it out. And so I remember walking into that service, and Billy said, it's okay not to be okay. And that's one thing I always carry with me because at that moment in time, I was not okay. Those messages really hit home for me, and, and at that moment, God began to stir my heart. Back in my freshman year of college, I met this friend named Jessica. Me and Jessica, we were friends on and off throughout this whole period of time. I knew that she had struggled with the same sin I had struggled with, um, but she was actually the first person I saw um, God bring out of this sin. We were at a wedding reception, and Jessica was there, and the Lord was telling me to go talk to her. He said, Brittany, go. And I was so prideful at that moment in time, I just didn't want to lay it down. Um, and my pride almost stopped me from going up to her, but I did. And we sat there, and we talked until 2 o'clock in the morning. And I told her, I said, God is dealing with my heart, but I am so afraid to walk away from this life that I'm living. She told me, she said, think about a, de a baby deer. She called them Bambi legs, and she said, you're gonna walk, but you're gonna have Bambi legs at first. You're gonna be really wobbly, you're gonna fall down, but you're gonna have to press into God, and he's gonna grow your legs stronger and stronger. And so I said, okay, Bambi legs it is. I was done. I was done with that lifestyle. I was done playing the fence with God. I, I was done hiding, and uh, I was ready. I was ready, and so I began to pursue God from that moment on. And at that point in time, Billy talked me into going into a connect group, and I was terrified. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to open up to people. Um, I was just afraid. Uh, but I, Jessica said, you've got to do this. And so I went. I found myself in a group with Kate and Billy. Kate really began to challenge me like I've never been challenged before. And I can remember her calling me one day and said, hey, uh, Connection wants to do a testimony video, and uh, Billy thinks you should do it. And my heart dropped. And I told her, I said, I'm not ready to tell anybody at this point in time. She said, okay. And, and, and we went from there. And so that following week, I showed up at Connect Group, and Kate says, tonight we're going to share testimonies. <laughs> and I thought, I hate you. <laughs> I was panicked. I didn't want anybody to know. There were people in there who I'd been friends with since three years old, and I'd been keeping this secret for eight years now. And uh, by the time it got around to my turn, I couldn't lie. I just knew that I needed to tell them. And so I began to tell this story, and I could feel a weight lift off my chest physically when I began to be transparent with them and be open with them. And that day was when I finally understood the importance of community. I was ready to go and I was just fired up for Jesus again. I was back in a really good place and God had just honestly restored me. I just knew that I needed God to just 
I mean, cleansed my heart of all of it. And so I got baptized on September 11th, 2015, and I was willing to do anything and everything for this church and, and for the kingdom. I just want people to see that no matter where you've been, no matter what sin you're struggling with, God is able and He is greater than any sin that you may be dealing with, but He's just waiting on you to reach out your hand and take His. There's a couple of things that um, I realize about that testimony is some people would think and probably will say, and we'll get emails about this, that that is not wise to show that testimony on Easter, and I'm sure it goes against some church book somewhere. The other thing that people would say is, and many people in church would say, well, I don't know if it's wise for Brittany to be on the staff of the church. If we make that video about homosexuality, we've missed the point. That was a part of Brittany's struggle. That was a part of Brittany's story. Brittany wasn't perfect, Brittany isn't perfect. And honestly, if you are perfect, you have an invitation to leave now. But if you're in a place where you realize you're flawed, you realize you need a savior, you realize you need the power of the Holy Spirit in you to create in you and recreate in you this relationship with God. And I think you're in the right place. The problem with church so much is that we look down our nose at people with struggles. We refuse to extend our hand unless people fit into some predetermined mold that we have established as bigots in a religious system and yet what I see in scripture is a God who reached out his hand while we were still dead in our sins and the Bible even says that that's how we know what love is I started out telling you that the church has robbed us the church has robbed you And the reason that's happened is because in many ways, the church has inserted itself between you and God. Jesus died to connect us to God. The Bible says we don't have any need for a mediator between us and God other than Jesus. And so here's the truth today. You don't need a system to get you to God because you have a savior who's already gotten you there. My heart today is this, that 
you wouldn't walk out of here thinking this is about anything other than a relationship with God. That you would realize that a lot of what we have experienced in religion is BS. It is a broken system that's led us astray and that has come between the relationship of us and God. It's why we oftentimes do the what, but we don't have the who, the relationship with God, the wholeness in ourselves and the love for other people. My prayer today and where I want to leave this today is that if it's been about anything else for you other than that relationship with God and that relationship with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in you, creating you to be like Christ, pouring his love out in you, his power out in you, whatever this thing has become, if it's not about this relationship with God that transforms our heart and fills us with his love so that we can share it with others, my prayer is today that we would not allow anything else to stand between us and him. Whatever the mountain is that's keeping us from walking in his love and his grace and his power, and his mercy today that by faith we move it. The Bible says that faith the size of a mustard seed moves mountains. This whole journey begins with faith in Jesus and it continues in faith in Jesus. I don't know what God has been to you. I don't know what experiences with people and life has shaped your view of God to look like, but it's impossible to look at scripture. It's impossible to look at the cross and not see the love of God for us. Today, I pray that whatever has defined him for you would be redefined by the words and actions of Jesus the plan of God, the redemption story. I pray that our eyes would be refocused on him and that relationship with him that transforms our heart, that we no longer settle for behavior modification when the power of the Holy Spirit gives us a heart transformation and fills us with his power and love. I wanna to end today like we end most weeks and maybe today, listen, let's be honest, maybe today you're here because it's Easter and you came for that reason. I mean, I'm glad you're here. I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing, but maybe that was the motivation. But today, maybe God has revealed to you his kindness and love. He's revealed to you the savior. He's shown you your need for him. We want to give you that opportunity just to say yes to that relationship, just to say, God, I'm going to trust in your promise of life. I want this relationship with you. I'm going to turn from my ways and turn to your ways and follow you. And if you've never had that, maybe your whole experience has been wrapped up in a religious 
facade that was empty on the inside. But today, God is speaking to your heart and you know in your heart because the Spirit has shown you that there's more to God than an empty religious system. And today, I want to help you take that step of faith. I want to give you the opportunity so we can help you in this journey. Salvation's not the end. It's not the end goal. It's the beginning of a new life. And today, if you would say, I want that relationship. I need that relationship. I'm turning over my life so I can have his life. I'm dying to me so I can live in him and for him. And today I'm gonna to ask you to be very, very bold. Listen, I know there's a lot of people in here, but this is not something to be ashamed of. This is something to celebrate. If today you would say for the first time, I am accepting this relationship, I am yielding to him, I'm trusting in his promises, then I'm gonna ask you just to stand up where you are. Let us pray with you. Let us guide you in this next direction. Don't let us put you into a system but let us connect you and help connect you to a savior, to God, to this relationship. So who's here today? You know, this is in your heart. What's your name, sir? Isaac Dow. Okay, thank you. Amen. For the rest of us, I, I just want to pray for that relationship. I want to pray for Isaac. I want us just to be able to fix our eyes on him. Guys, look, if this is about us provoking a response or manipulating some response in someone, then... We're here for the wrong reason. If it's about connecting people to an authentic relationship with God, then that's what we're here to do. And so I wanna pray that this is real, that this becomes even more real to us and that we don't walk out of here and forget it before we get on Kiwana Road, that it sinks deeply in our heart. Father, I thank you for what you've done here today. God, I thank you for what you've been doing since the creation. I thank you for your plan. I thank you for your patience, your kindness, your love, your justice, your righteousness, everything that you are. God, I pray we would focus in on the relationship you've given us and called us to in Christ. I pray that you would fill us with the power of your spirit so that we wouldn't 
live in a world and be driven by the world, but we would live in a world that needs the love of Christ and that we're able to show that. Lord, I, I pray um, I pray for Isaac. Pray for his family, God. Would you strengthen them? Would you give them direction? Would you give them wisdom? Would you help us come alongside them to help them and lead them not to something else to do, but to someone to know? God, I pray that Pray that you would just overwhelm them again and again with your grace. And let us keep our eyes fixed on you. And I pray, God, we would celebrate you each and every day. In Jesus' name.